1: Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday.
0: Anything you want to open with today, Bracken? Not really. My life's been weird.
1: I've just been sick kids and I have back spasms. It's been an awful week. I don't know, nothing new.
0: The rest of your body is finally catching up with the top of your head. <laughs> I <guess> so. <laughs> Getting old, Kirk. So no, I'm just tired, sore frustrated that i can't move behind on work oh man we might need another therapy session bracken but not today yeah a physical therapy session uh-huh i feel like we're both in the same boat here so you are all bundled up you have your hood over your head it mm-hmm. must be cold in your room yes uh and today is kind of a, a monumental day for me Because uh, what you folks listening don't know is that the room I record in in the winter is absolutely freezing. It's got very poor venting. So I run a space heater while I record these things. Um, But Bracken Bracken had a firm conversation with me this morning and told me I couldn't do it anymore. Because it was sabotaging the audio quality. And he's right. So no space heater for me this morning. I'm freezing my... Toes off so we can give you a better audio experience. Speaking of freezing toes off,
1: so how long ago was this now? Five weeks, something like that at High Rock Chicago. I mentioned that Cole g- gave me like nine pairs of SmartWall socks. Did I talk about that on here?
0: Nope. I didn't talk about this at all? No. 80% sure I talked about it. Ninety. 5% sure you didn't. But see, I also get my wires crossed when we talk on mic and off mic. Yeah, so do I. I'm pretty sure we did not chat about this. Okay, so let's rewind. I'll just go back to Chicago.
1: We're all talking beforehand. Hunter's there. Magida's there. Kent's there. Cole's, Cole walks by and he said, Hey, man, come with me. I got something for you.
0: Cole, who? There's a number of Coles.
1: Cole Schwartz. Okay. Hi, Rocks Cole.
0: High Rock School.
1: So he he pulls me out in the hallway and he goes, listen, I heard on the podcast when you were talking about your gear you guys recommend that you trashed Smartwool. I said, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, I am a rep. I'm a sales rep for Smartwool on the East Coast. He is? Yeah, apparently. Did not know that. Me either. I said, I'm, well, I'm sorry. He said, I don't take it personally, but here's a bag of socks for you. I think you had a bad experience. I think it was a uh, anomaly, and I'd like you to test these out. I said, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So I uh,
1: took home a bag of Smartwell socks, and, and good on him. And, and I guess that's like the, I don't know if weighty is the right word, but a little bit weighty. To, anytime we give a good or bad recommendation, it affects people other than ourselves and our listeners. Like it actually mm-hmm. has a slight minuscule impact on whatever we're talking about. And then I felt really terrible about it. But the fact was I'd had like three smart wool socks and they'd all ripped on me real quick. Okay. Have you given these new ones a test run yet? Yes. Now they were assorted sizes and samples. So not all of them fit me. Okay. So I've been testing a few out and Lisa has been testing all the others out and she loves them. But the The biggest difference they've made is winter running. She said, I never realized how cold my feet got winter running until they were no longer cold. Mm. She's run and we've had cold winter. It's been a weird winter where we've had a mild winter, but we've had as many negative degree days as any winter. You've had a mild winter down there. Yeah, we've, we've still had no real snow. We've we've had as many 20 and 30 and 40 degree days as any winter I can remember. But we've also had as many negative 5 to negative
0: 15 or 20 days as I can remember. It's a very strange winter. Well, I'm only five and a half hours from you, and this has been the coldest winter. I've been in Minneapolis for 11 years now. No, almost 12. Uh, Absolutely the worst winter we've had as far as temperatures go. Right now as I'm talking to you, we're in the middle of a 7 to 11-inch snowstorm. It's just pouring out outside, and we have have the cold. Isn't that wild? Only five and a half hours away. It's 27 degrees and drizzling, Yes. <laughs>
1: like freezing rain right now. Screw We've had off. for 24 hours. When everyone got hit with the blizzards and everything, like it hit Chicago, it hit you guys, and it did not hit us. We're yeah. we're in some weird little wizard bubble down
0: here. Well, your wife likes to post um, pictures on her runs on like her Instagram yes. and Facebook stories. She she looks like she likes to document her her runs. Um, and every time she posts a damn photo, it's like there's grass showing. And it's, we don't have snow. It's weird, man. All we got here is snow. We've got snow maybe three or four
1: times, and it's only stuck twice. The rest of it, we get a day like this where it's like freezing rain, and it melts all the snow, and then we're just icy or clear. It's it's a very strange winter.
0: Five and a half hours away, we got school closures, life halting here.
1: We have schools closed this morning because of the the ice on the roads. Oh, sure. It's weird. So sense. I've cross country skied zero times this year. Me too, and I'm ashamed to admit it. It's bizarre. So anyway, Smartwool, I can't yet comment on their longevity, but they the warmth in winter apparently is legit. So I pop them on whenever it's cold.
0: Okay, they keep the toesies toasty. They that do. Be their new their new little tagline. Um, Bracken, I'm uh, racing this weekend, I believe. Well that's a
1: that's a one foot in each camp type of statement. Where are you potentially racing, you think?
0: Well, as you guys are listening to this, it is Tuesday. Um and I have not booked anything yet. Um <laughs> which is kind of a play out of your book. They're running public way now. Well, no, like the series races and the ones that I know I want to happen, those are all, you know, committed to, but um, I just wasn't sure after coming off of being sick, like I was really knocked out and hadn't really had a good workout, like two and a half, three weeks. And I just wanted to make sure I was back. And so I hit a workout on Saturday and it didn't go great, but it didn't go terribly. It went somewhere in the middle. And I thought, and it was done in negative five outside, which is always tough to determine when you're trying to hit speed, if it's, you know, what the factors are there, but I hit it and I said, you know what? Um, it knocked me out for like the rest of the day. I couldn't even like function. So I know cellularly I was a bit tired, but like the metrics were okay. So point being is I decided on Saturday, maybe Sunday that I would race. And then I think most everybody falls under the belief that flights are cheapest on like midweek. So I just waited till today to, to peruse. Um, but yeah, where am I racing? Should I skirt the question or should I, should I say, cause there's two options. There's Arizona and there's Florida. Historically
1: you're an Arizona guy. But yeah. Jacksonville, you know, we both kind of have unfinished business in and it's flatter, but the terrain's probably a little worse.
0: Arizona's a new venue. They came out it's like hundred and thirty oh, right, feet right. of hundred and thirty feet of gain in Arizona over a super, which is flat as it gets. So here here's my mindset. If I'm Kirk DeWitt. Okay. Florida,
1: I know it. I know what I'm getting like to go down there and just test out my fitness compared to other years, because I've raced that course several times. Mm-hmm. But this new Arizona course is going to have VJ, Mark mm-hmm. Uh it's going to have Ryland, yeah. maybe Hawk Call, and I, I'm sure I'm missing other people. Like, there, there's going to be legitimate national level competition there, so I think you're going
0: to go to Arizona. I know Glenn Race is going... Um. there's at least five or six maybe more who knows who else that hasn't been talked about but from what I understand um, you know Jacksonville will have Alvaro Vasquez uh, mm-hmm. rumor is Chris Brown is down there working the trail race and Chris Brown is going to race Okay. then you have Nick Riker messaged me said he was going to be there um, and then who knows what other host of, of humans are going to be down there it has got a legit well. race either, either way, way. Either way, I just saw Varo won a 5K like 1540 on the roads. So that's, you know, he's still got some speed. Um, I'm going to go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's cheaper flight. Uh, and I'll get some shit from the guys going to Arizona. Like I'm skirting competition, but it's not true. I have so many athletes racing in Jacksonville, Bracken, because of the age group yeah. National Series race, that I would do a disservice to them if I went to Arizona. And I have athletes racing in Arizona too, but, you know, because of the opener... There's just so many racing in Florida and it's an easy decision on that front. And I love racing in Florida. So yeah, when you add the athlete, the
1: athlete factor into the equation, it's, it's a no brainer. If you get to kill multiple
0: birds with one stone. So that's, yeah. So I'm going to go to Florida and give her a rip. And I decided on the venue literally this weekend too. I wasn't sure. And then I started combing through athletes and where they're racing. And I was like, well. It's like three to one where my people are going. So that made the decision easy. And either way, we're going to have a fast race and good competition. So I think, in fact, trashier running in Jacksonville versus firmer running in Arizona may be better because they're both flat as heck as far as like stimulus goes. So that was sort That's of true. how I justified it. Yep. Well, I'm happy for you. You want I'm to really come? I'm excited to watch your race. I do, yeah.
1: Well, it's not too late, Bracken. I mean, I can't, I won't race, but I'll come down and cheer. Oh.
0: Thought maybe I could twist your arm.
1: I did the opposite, Kirk. I signed up for my race and I bought my flights and at my hotel early for Boston.
0: That is very unlike you. Good job. Yeah,
1: I checked the flights were good. I thought let's just get on this thing, because what we know about Hyrox is that they put on their events. Mm-hmm. They came to Navy Pier when you know Chicago had a lot of mandates, and they got it done. So. I purchased that flight, and I turned my nose up at trip insurance and purchase protection. Always. Guess what came slip-sliding into our emails this week, Kirk? No! Boston is indefinitely postponed. What's the
0: reasoning? COVID. COVID. Is there stiff regulations going on in the municipality? (sighs) I don't know. It doesn't matter. What's done is done. See? Procrastinating on... Purchasing travel is the way to go. And I broke form. I tried
1: to be a quote-unquote mature adult, and it bit me. Shoot. That's frustrating. So I went to look at changing my flight or see what I could do, get credit, and it said for you could cancel your flight, and you'll pay a cancellation fee, which is the biggest. I mean, that's right up there with insurance in terms of, like, a, a racket. And uh, it, it just happened to be, to the cent, the exact same amount as my flight cost was my cancellation fee. It always is. Sometimes it's more. Just the exact, down to 80 cents is the same amount. You, you you can keep whatever's left after the cancellation fee, which is the exact same price as your flight. What a coincidence. Yeah.
0: They're bending us over, Bracken. So I can cancel the hotel. That's just fine. Rental car if you have one. Didn't have one yet. I was
1: planning on Uber, and I got got some stuff right in the same area. But, yeah, it just kind of leaves a
0: bad taste in my mouth. So now I have nothing on the docket until... Well, if you change your mind on this weekend, I'll get a king-size bed. Oh. Plenty of room. Yeah. I'll upgrade to the fantasy suite if they have one. Kirk, I've never been invited to the fantasy suite. (laughs) Well, here's your informal formal invitation, Bracken. Either have I, to tell you the truth. I know. Heavy. Um, anything else we should, we should chat about before we talk about our topic today? Well, I want to know now about your race.
1: I feel like I'm going to go into coach mode and your athlete mode here. So heading into this race, what is your mindset? How are you feeling about this?
0: Good. In the sense where my metrics are a little behind actually when I, where I raced in December, um, which I'm okay with right now. I think I'm right on the cusp of them hitting and then breaching where they were. Um, and I, you know, when you you need like, I need an effort that's going to shake the system. That's going to jar me into uh, maybe some humility or some humble pie, but also um, just I need a stimulus that I, I haven't been able to provide myself here at home. And so um, whether, uh, you know, things come together and go really well or, you know, the intensity of the pain from the race will you know, be more than I'm potentially prepared for. Like it's going to be a good outcome for me either way, because San Luis Obispo is all I care about. So, um, and my metrics, you know, like, you know, I, when you come off of being sick, like not only was I sick, sick for like a week and a half, two weeks, then coming back, my energy systems weren't back. I wasn't really performing well. So like, I don't know, I'm like cloudy where I'm at,
1: but I know what I'm Mm -hmm.
0: capable of. And I know I popped a good workout or two before I got sick and I have to assume I'm going to be back there this weekend. So point being is, um, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a heck of a lot better than I have the past few weeks. So, um and, and there's no reason not to go assert yourself into the race, right? Like I'm not going there to hang off the the back of some speedy guys like Chris or Alvaro, you know, from 100 yards back. Let's just stick the nose in the race. Uh maybe even make some moves if I can early and um go race. I just want to race, race. I want to be in a race. I don't care about how fast or slow it goes. I just want to race and get my mind in that right uh at right frame of mind if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, now we talked when you got out of
1: detox. Yeah. That you went right into running to fill your mind space. Yeah. And you ran a lot. And you ran I would kind of say intuitively. Yep. Or you just went out and you you did what you wanted to do. When you were feeling a long run, you did a long run. When you were feeling a workout, you did a hard workout. But initially, there didn't seem to be a real progression or like big picture purpose other than run hard, run fast, run long, do some recovery in between. Mm -hmm. Since then, again, that went on for a while. Since then to right now, has there been some refinement of strategy? Or are you still kind of sitting in that,
0: I'm just running what I feel like running a uh, refinement of strategy. Um, to what extent? On the biggest part, uh, I'm already seeding my body with uh, uphill work heavily, mostly because I know it's on the horizon with Big Bear the rest of the season. So I was doing nothing more than 15% work um, after getting out of detox and all fall. Uh, now I'm hitting 30, 40% work. I'm I'm mm. sort of laying a foundation on purpose for what's to come later this year. Um, and it might be a little bit of a detriment to my flat speed, which I'm realizing now that I'm trying to put some of that in there, but, um, just laying more of a foundation for what's coming up later. That's the big change. Where do I get that in every week versus not even caring about it in the fall?
1: Now, if you listen to our own words. Uphill work translates better to flat than flat translates to uphill work.
0: Exactly. So it's always a smart decision. So are you going to trust in it? 100% I'm going to trust in it. You, you joking right. my ass bragging? Yeah. If you
1: had to rank your fitness prior to getting sick, let's say staying power, call it aerobic threshold. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Your actual threshold ability and then that sharp staying running. Where would the three rank on a scale of 1 to 10?
0: As a as a sum total? No, no, individually. Can you list those three again? I was thinking Start stain power, let's call it aerobic threshold. Seven. Wait, prior to getting sick? Prior to getting sick. Seven and a half. Okay.
1: Uh let's call a lactate threshold. Seven and a half. Sharp, fast work. Five. I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that. With all those thirteen and sixteen mile long runs and a lot of them as hard efforts in the middle. I would have guessed your stain power and some of your threshold work would have been ranked higher.
0: Well, what you're missing is, you know, I was planning on bringing this all together um, a month, uh, four to six weeks out from like slow. So I was kind of holding back a little bit on purpose. Cause I know, you know, I'm a responder and you are too. So like when I choose to, it really pops. Um, and then right when I planned on making that push, I got sick. So I was just kind of, biding my time if i'm being honest um but that all still feels pretty pretty good and i'm not i'm not concerned about it i may be underselling it a little bit but um yeah seven and a half so you
1: got two and a half levels above in those areas where you can still move up i was debating between seven and a half and an eight but yeah okay yep how
0: do you feel how is your ocr preparedness I haven't done a single, I haven't done a single compromised workout, um, other than on the assault bike. Uh, again, my intention was to seed those in while I was sick those weeks I was going to start implementing. Um, mm-hmm. that was not a good decision. So I did aerobic work entirely for a week. And then, so I did a compromise assault bike workout last week. I will hit the racing this weekend, which will qualify. And then I will do a couple bouts in between Jacksonville and slow. Um, which again, I'm not, I'm not worried about, um, I think, you know, I lost about two weeks and that those were pivotal two weeks, but it doesn't mean I can't get that back. Like I'm not, I'm not sweating it at all. And that's part of the reason why I feel like I need a good shake, a good stimulus this weekend as well. Um, Not that you can make up for lost time, but I'll tell you what, you know how it feels a few weeks after you start racing hard again. Sometimes that fitness just starts to pop, makes big jumps. So that's the purpose. Yep. Well, speaking of sweating it, what's the temperature? What's the weather forecast looking like for this weekend? Good question. Can you play some elevator music for like I don't know, 5 seconds here?
1: Yeah, it's too bad we're, we don't have video going yet. I'd just
0: pan around the the studio here and show shoes. Okay, well we stalled just enough here. Let me look. So you
1: didn't go through and check weather yet? Nope. Oh man, the first thing I do when I finally decide last minute to race, I run
0: to the bathroom and poop. And then when I get back from doing that, I'm checking the weather forecast. It's looking dry here in Jacksonville for those of you going. Um, high on Saturday, 79. High on Sunday, 80. Low of 58 and 51, respectively. It's always its lowest temp in the morning about when the gun goes off. So we're looking at low to upper 50s for gun. Then a cold front comes through Monday, high 64. So hope that cold front holds off. We'll have some nice nice weather. So that's what it looks like. No no rain looks like. In the- Racing
1: in the 50s. 50s is going to feel real
0: nice. I'm going to be running in my undie pants. It's going to feel so good.
1: You'll be looser in warm-ups than you've been in months. Yeah. But
0: not so hot that you're going to be dying. What a dream. What a dream. I feel like I'm underselling my fitness a little bit. Like I'm in good shape. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's just, uh, I haven't hit the tip of the spear on any of them and I haven't intended to until, you know, a couple of weeks from now. So it's all good. That's
1: late winter, early spring racing in a nutshell right there. Mm-hmm. Sure is. So what are you bringing? What, what, what tool are you bringing down there, Kirk? Or are you bringing two tools and you're going to choose on race day? Are uh, you talking about footwear? Of course I'm talking about footwear.
0: Yeah. We got to get your fetish fix. I know. Well,
1: so- someone asked about this. This this was not on camera. This was in a meeting, actually, recently. But someone asked about my wall. The people in the meeting joked that I have a, an issue and an addiction. And and then what I said was that, no, like I, my shoe collection doesn't extend to other areas of my life. I have one pair of basketball shoes. Oh. I have one pair of cleats for soccer slash flag football. I have two pairs of dress shoes. I have three pairs of casual shoes. That's it. I have one pair of sandals, one winter boot. So I, they're tools for me. I don't need many tools in other areas, but for running, there's a tool for every terrain, every distance, every weather condition. And so that's, this is what it's grown to be, but I actually don't have this in other areas of my life.
0: Just running. Well, why is it okay for a professional golfer to have eight different lob wedges with different degrees for different circumstances and, and then another X amount of clubs in their bag? It's the same thing. Your, yeah. your shoes are your club. Simple as that. That's exactly it. And,
1: and the point I made to the people I was talking to is that people always talk about like the equipment you need for your sport. And then in cycling or things like that, you hear about your, your contact pieces. So on a bike, everyone's concerned about wheels, pedals, shoes, saddle, handlebars. Mm-hmm. Well, we only have one ground contact piece, and we only have one tool. You can run in whatever you want, clothing-wise. Some's better than others, but you could literally race in your just your underwear and have no performance difference than if you raced in a full race kit. So the only thing that truly matters is footwear. I agree. And so that's the only, that's the only strategy outside of fueling, but these are short races. So you don't need fueling or hydration packs or waste packs or anything like that. So yeah, shoes are the only thing to dive into. What are you bringing on,
0: on the plane? You don't need to justify it, by the way. I think most people listening understand. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. They just might be getting a little more grief from their uh, husbands or their wives or somebody from spending frivolous money on these shoes you, in quotes, don't need. But little do they understand, like your everyday trainers are your drivers in your woods, right? Your tempo threshold, longer effort shoes are your long irons, your mid-range irons. And then your speed work and your flashy stuff in your racing shoes are your, your short irons, your lob wedges, and your putter. you got to have options for all of those. Sure, you can play an okay game if you just put a five iron in your hand and let you go to town. But, like, you're not going to play your best game. need options. You need options, bracket.
1: And the better you get, the more it matters.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I carry one wedge when I play golf. Yeah, a pitching wedge, I assume.
0: Yeah, just pitching
1: yeah. wedge. In fact, exactly. currently I think it's a sand wedge. Yeah. And I use a 9 for anything else.
0: Yeah. We're in the same boat there.
1: But if you're good enough, like you can't access the tool if you don't have the skill for it. So early on, I don't think people need to be obsessed with shoes, but the farther you get along, the more you unlock the need for a new tool.
0: If I shoot sub 100 on a round, I'm having I'm happy. I'm happy with my day. If I shoot sub 90, I'm uh I'm dancing in the parking lot afterwards. What about you? i start the day with seven balls my goal is to finish with some that's also a great goal that's how i start okay used to be 10 gotta pick an open style course um the shoes so i will be bringing a pair of vj sparks um really enjoy that shoe that's a good shoe um doesn't have a rock plate in it but i just like how it feels I really that one's probably the best fitting shoe on my foot in their new lineup um, I don't yeah. have a pair of the Extreme 2s, although I really want it um, with that 4mm drop, which is the, the least amount of drop in the VJ line. Um, and then depending how sloppy it is, I'm going to bring a pair of Extremes. Um, I've decided I like the Rocks, but they're just, when you get real sloppy, they're just a little unstable because of their stack height versus how narrow they are, like with their lug depth. So I'll bring a pair of v, uh, Extremes as backup in case things are just real gross, then I'd rather have a nice sturdy pair of of extremes. So those are the two I'm bringing. Okay. How do you feel about that? Can't disagree with it. I mean, as long as you have a reason for the shoe you choose, even
1: if it wouldn't be the shoe I'd choose, your -hmm. reason makes sense. I'm unstable in the extremes because they're a Hmm. little bit of a stiffer shoe. I roll my ankle more on them. Oh, interesting. So I rock, I feel more comfortable. And even though they might feel less stable of a platform, they work better with my foot plant. Okay, it's, it's strange. So uh, yeah, I'd be bringing Spark and an Rock, or the only other possible is the Hoka Evo Jaws for me.
0: Yeah, it's a great shoe.
1: All right, well, that's my plan. Actually, that's not true. I would be bringing the Hoka Evo Jaws and the Hoka Evo XCs. That's what I'd be bringing.
0: The Hoka Evo XCs?
1: Yes, they're cross-country, they're rubber-bottom cross-country shoe.
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. You got me curious. What if I have them in here. Well, look at this, Kirk. Kirk. I'm looking. Wow, that is a sexy shoe, that cyan blue. Oh, yeah. Are those rubber spikes coming out of the bottom of those?
1: Those have metal in them currently, but I'll pop those babies out. Uh, But they're reminiscent of the old Nike Waffle XC. I
0: liked the Waffle XC.
1: But it's actually a little gnarlier on the bottom.
0: Yeah, they look aggressive.
1: It's got more cushion to it, but it's full length rubber all the way through, so there is no plastic anywhere on the shoe.
0: So you can okay. wear it for
1: whatever you want,
0: and it's light. It's like five ounces. See, I find the lower, the lower heel to toe drop, the faster I feel. And like I believe that shoe's probably a three heel to toe drop, three millimeter. Um, I know the Evo Jaws is a three millimeter. Um, so. I just noticed that trend the uh the less drop the faster I feel in them whether it's false or not. Um we should probably start giving some people some tangible um things since we're almost 30 minutes deep into this. We Yeah, we'll cut some of that fluff out, but no, it's all good. We uh it's race week, folks. It's race week. We have our first um on the Spartan Front anyways, like back to back or double race weekend in Arizona and in jacksonville um and we got the opener of the age group u.s national series in jacksonville with the sprint on sunday and a lot of people are busting rust off or going to be they haven't raced in a little bit um you know and i think it's just a good reminder to go through like it's race week now what do we do as we lead into this race and i thought we should brush up on all the race week reminders that are yeah. important when you're heading into something you care about.
1: And this is the time for the running world. Spring marathons are coming up. Boston's not that far away, Kirk. No, it's not. Boston's not far out. Uh, the spring marathons you have, the the roads are starting to open up across the country. The south, the south, they always have races. This is our prime racing season because they have good weather right now.
0: Screw you in the south. You're nice That's weather.
1: Right. Up here, I feel like uh, St. Patrick's Day signals the start of road racing season. Yep, I agree. That's that's always right around the time. But this, this, this is the season. You're starting to think about races again. And there are some pitfalls that race week can bring. And I think it's worth saying it's race week. Here's a reminder. This is how you address and approach race week.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, we could start in a million different places, and I think we should make this more of like a bullet points version. Everything we talk okay. about today, we probably talked about in past episodes, um, but I think a refresher is, is good. Um, I can rattle off a few of the first things that come to mind for me on race week, um, and I'm going to go in with the assumption that this is a race that people care about. It's a race week where like, you're not necessarily training through, you want to show up. And be ready to perform your best with the fitness you have, right? Is that fair enough assumption? Mm-hmm. Um. So this is an this is, honest to God truth. The absolute first place that my mind goes on race week above all else is sleep. First place my mind goes is every night I figure out a way. Like I have a, like I'm calculating like when can I get to bed? When do I have to get up? Making it, it a priority to get sleep above training, above even nutrition, which is important. I My mind first goes to sleep. I know if I sleep well, I perform well. And so I start trying to bank, saturate on sleep as early as I can in the week. My mind goes there immediately first above everything else. How about you? I
1: can't argue that. I can't argue that. Sleep is, is fantastic for leading into any big effort. But where I go first is, uh, is probably to Frozen. Kirk. Let it go. I just I just hear let it go ringing in my that's head. That's how you know you have little girls. <laughs> that's right. What's done is done. You cannot change your fitness on race week. You can't change the nights of bad sleep that you got. You can't change any of that. So let it go. You can't change any of that. The haze in the barn. The work's done. And you just need to let it go. You can't overanalyze on race week. You can't let the nerves, the anxiety, the worry get to you. You just got to let it go. You've had bad sleep before big workouts. You've had bad meals before big workouts. You maybe went out and had a drink or two the night before a big workout. Maybe you got sick before a big workout or your kid got sick or your boss called you into work late. These things, like what is done is done and you've made it through all of that. You can do, you can race under the worst scenario because you've trained in the worst scenarios. So let it go and just cruise into race day saying the hay's in the barn. I may not be happy with how much hay is in that barn, but I can't change the amount of hay in these last days. Once we hit single digits of days before race, let it go and just get there in a happy state of mind or a pissed off state of mind or a locked-in state of mind, whatever your state of mind is that works for you. Let it
0: go and get there. I couldn't agree more. At all. However, <laughs> however, that's a great mindset, but we still have to navigate the day-to-day on the way. For sure. Letting it go or not, right. But I do agree with you. There's no time to change fitness. All there is is time to do like time to do a systems check, make sure your body isn't going to be surprised by the effort right? And then just have your head on straight and whatever it requires to get your head on straight. And I think the let it go mentality is probably the most important. Understand that you have done the work that you possibly could do up to this point. And now we ride it out and you should find comfort in the fact that like on race week is like the least pivotal week as far as your training goes. Mm -hmm. The prior three months have been the most important. This week, it is what it is and it will be what it will be. Without question. So I agree with you 100%. Um, but of course, we have a group of OCD type mm-hmm. A personalities who need to split hairs, Brack. And that's the nature of our sport now, isn't it? It absolutely is. So let's split some hairs. Well, we get into trouble. When you look across the board,
1: people get into the most trouble in life when they have time to think. Well, True. When you have time on your hands what's the what's the old saying Idle hands are the devil's something plaything devil's toy devil's something tool. about
0: baby in bath water or something yeah,
1: that's all it is. Yeah. You don't want idle hands on race week. it gives you entirely too much time to get in your own head and question things, and so your routine to me in my opinion, routine must be maintained. Workout times should happen at the same time. Workout frequency should happen at the same frequency. For some people, even duration has to be the same, but maybe do it in other ways. Cut your run down and then walk for a bit or stretch extra, but fill your time so you don't have idle hands on race
0: week. I think that's the worst part about race week, isn't it? It is. And I'm bad at this, Kirk. Yeah. Decrease in in training load, volume, or intensity. And we need to get that fixed to keep our ourselves in equilibrium. And then here we go getting fidgety, restless, anxious, those sort of things. And I think that's where you, I think your, your let it go mentality is exactly right. So it all reverts to that, right? If you can just put your mind at ease, ideally your body will follow. And I do agree with you on the, like you've slept or you've, you've done hard workouts on little sleep. You've eaten like shit and still performed well at times. All of those things, you know, definitely ring true. And then when it comes like you self-admittedly back when like what you were in high school and college, you were, you were pretty ritualistic, would we call it? Yeah. And that would be, that would be underselling it. Right. And if you can just remind yourself that you've done all of these things in training, um, (laughs) and to a, and with good result, You just have to keep reminding yourself of that, keep reminding yourself of that, keep reminding yourself of that. It doesn't matter. All the the details don't even matter this week, which sounds silly as far as your training goes and the small little things that could pop up along the way. It's just like stick to your routine. Stick to your routine and be just fine. I agree. That's it. Routine.
1: There are more people who give their race away before the race even starts. Than people who nail their race, and it begins with letting your mind go crazy. A last second workouts thrown in because I haven't worked on this one skill enough, or a last second speed session because I just feel like I'm too slow, or last second shoe purchase or shoe change because I, I I don't know I don't I don't I don't think this is going to be the right one. You see it all the time, and I feel these emotions come up too on race week. I, you have to know that you're probably not to be trusted on race week, but your body of work is to be trusted. So keep the idle time to a minimum. Schedule yourself with friends if you need to. Schedule yourself date nights with your significant other. Come up with things to do that are not stressful, you know, energy-consuming activities to just keep yourself away from, out of your own
0: way. Yeah. And this might be too late for those who already booked their flights unlike me which I have yet to do as I sit here and talk but um <clears throat> and I know you fall under the same the same sort of school of thought too a lot of times athletes will get to they'll they'll fly out early two three days early they typically work full-time jobs they have families and then they fly in two days early three days early and all they have to do is like sit around their hotel and fidget and think i i very much prefer to fly in in the middle of the day, the day before the race, have is keep myself busy with my travel, get into the hotel, get a shakeout run in. Instead of sitting there twiddling my thumbs, I find that that abates my pre-race jitters more than anything. The worst thing I could probably do before a race that matters would be like arrive super early and then sit around in a hotel room, pacing, wondering what to do with my time. You can only check out the venue so much and the local sites. Um, so I agree with that is just sticking to the routine, um, for as long as you can throughout the week, I think is important. Um, do you do you feel the same way about traveling early to a race, or do you not?
1: I do. I, th- I think that if it is short enough that you don't run into travel related fatigue, if jet lag right. is not a thing, of if course. big time zone changes are not a thing, I like to get there around midday or after early afternoon. That's my sweet spot. It gives yeah. me th- what I like to be able to do is land drive to my hotel and be able to check in. I don't want to get there at 10 a.m. and not be able to check in yet. Yep. And I don't want to get there at 9 p.m. and have to just say, well, looks like I'm going to go right to bed and what it, what what is is. But I've done that far more often than I have gone out a day early. And for most people, you don't even have that option. But yeah, keep your distractions to a minimum. Keep your daily routine the, as, as as simple as you can. Even something little, like you said, most people work all day long. Suddenly they have all Friday and they decide to say, they decide to save energy and lay in bed, watch some T V, maybe catch up on some shows. That's something your body's not used to. And mm-hmm. you don't know what's gonna happen then.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree. I'll even go as little as like, okay, I'll look at flights that leave. And luckily Minneapolis here is a pretty big Delta hub and we have lots of flight options in general. I know not everybody has that luxury, but um, I'll be like, all right, well, I normally wake up between 5:30 and 6. Well, if my flight's at 8 a.m., I'll you know, versus 7 a.m., I can wake up between my 5.30 and 6 still. So I actually think like if I can just stay in routine, wake up when I typically would wake up, and then get on my flight, like nothing is really any different. Um again, that could be a little um, you know, ritualistic, so to speak, but like those little things I just feel like matter. You will often see you know, a lot of people take those really early flights, which you have to sometimes. I'm talking ideal world here, but mm-hmm. I, stay in the routine. That's, uh, that's what I think for, first and foremost when it even comes to picking my flights. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to break it down that intensely,
1: I am notorious, Kirk, for not giving myself enough time at the airport. Yeah, me too. And just recently, I've committed to being better at that, and it has changed my travel experience. It is just so much better to err on the side of a little extra time to get everywhere. The last thing you want to do before a race is stress on the way to the airport and then stress in the airport and not even breathe a sigh of relief until you're in your seat. And then getting off the flight, stressing in the rental car line and stressing at the hotel. You just don't want to deal with that. Sit in traffic and stress some more, giving yourself wiggle room assuming that things will go wrong is a really good way to plan your itinerary. Yep. You can't look at a, this is a 40 minute drive to the venue. So I'm going to leave 40 minutes before I need to be there. You just can't do that. No one ever got to the venue and thought, Oh, I wish I didn't have enough time to go wander over to the the porta potty and then get my chip and then take my time sitting in the car, lacing it through all nice. No one ever wished that they had cut it closer. We're going to get to that. Having some time is always beneficial everywhere from the moment you leave the house to the moment the race starts.
0: I couldn't agree more. But you know, this is all water under the bridge. This is baby in the bath water. This is forest for the trees. I'm probably missing one or two in there because most everybody listening has booked their stuff already. They're already committed. They're not, you know, procrastinators with travel arrangements like myself and you. Point being is all that can't, you know, all that's already done with. So we got to talk about what we can control this week because everybody's stuff is already booked, right? Yes. So as we move forward with the week, we've talked about these things before again, as I had said earlier, but, um, let's just dive into a few topics. Okay. Let's just dial in first on our training specifically. Yes. What are you doing leading into race week or now that it is race week, it's mid race week. Really? Um, when do you like your last hard effort? What does your last, let's say three, four days into a race look like what do you generally recommend?
1: Well, there are three ways to go about doing this, I believe. Okay. There's the like high-level world champion Olympian approach where you do, let's say it's a Saturday race. Tuesday, you're going to do your last quality work. Thursday, you're going to do a small semi-quality work to keep your muscle elasticity and your resistance impact and that like a little bit of stiffness in your body, like just primed. And then Friday you're just prepping for the race and shaking out. And, you know, that's the classic one that you see high level people do, but they've earned that with a lot of training.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, We've seen that with, you know, the, the, the national level runners I've known do that. Uh, Lindsay Webster talked about that her Olympian skiing sister, that's what they all did is they had their last big effort and then a small dose of it. That could be like four by 400 on Thursday. Speed sprinkles. Speed sprinkles, Kirk. And so that's the one, but that, that's the one that I don't really apply that much to the everyday athlete because you haven't really earned that with a decade of you know doubling every day and doing three mm-hmm. big workouts per week. So really it comes down to two things, I think, for most people, myself and for the people I prescribe workouts to. You either keep your schedule exactly the same. If Tuesday or Wednesday is your, la- is your quality workout and your next one is Saturday, you keep it that way. And you just reduce the volume on that quality session. You still hit intensity, you still hit on the same day, but you reduce the workload a little bit. Or you do a slightly bigger workout. You know, still maybe not a full, full workout, could be a full but you move it up one day earlier in the week that's the first decision i make with what my race week looks like do i keep my workout structure the same and reduce or do i give myself one extra day of recovery after my last workout what about you
0: yeah first thing i look at is my last uh, dose of true stimulus when am i going to place that in my race week Um, so i'll decide my week based on that first of all um, most always, uh, I choose to go three days out. So a Wednesday on a Saturday race, if I can, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, that, that volume of that last quality workout is cut in half typically of a, of a regular week quality workout. So let's say I typically would do 30 minutes of quality stimulus for my quality workout on a Tuesday or a Wednesday Um, I'll cut that down at least in half to like only 15 minutes of stimulus of the quality portion of my workout or even a little bit less sometimes. Um, So I typically look at a Wednesday. Again, Tuesday works great um, for some people, but um, I find three days after my last little hit of sting is a little too much going from Tuesday to Saturday. I actually like to cut it a little closer. So cut the volume in half of the quality workout. We can split hairs on what that workout exactly is. But typically I like to do something a little faster and more intense than the race pace that I'm about to, uh, expect. Um, and again, keep the duration shorter than a typical quality workout. So those are the two criteria I usually look at. Um, do you find like, let's say you have a Saturday race and you do your last quality on Tuesday. Do you find that's a little bit too long to go as far as stimulus goes, or do you prefer, a Tuesday over a Wednesday or vice versa? Like, how do you decide for me? I just feel like that three day, that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, is just a little too long without a, a hit.
1: I, it depends on the purpose of my race. If I'm just training through, I generally do it Tuesday and do a bigger workout. Yep. If the race matters to me, I find Wednesday's a little better for me.
0: Yeah, same.
1: And I don't know if it's as much physical as it is. It gives me less downtime mentally.
0: From your last quality session between that and your race.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel like I'm just treading water for three days waiting and waiting same. and waiting. And then there's this other important part for me where I just totally lost it.
0: <laughs> that, that happens sometimes, Bracken.
1: Oh, my goodness, Kirk.
0: You know, that happens to me all the time. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Nobody's perfect. There it is. The hood trapped it in there, but I had to
1: rattle it around. Got it. You had to shove it back in your ears. Yeah. After a good workout Wednesday, nothing crazy, but a good workout, Thursday, I get that feeling that, oh man, I'm supposed to race Saturday and I just did work. Like Was this a little too late? And then Friday, it's like, oh, I'm starting to feel better. I think I'm going to be just fine, ready to go. And that almost helps. Like having a distraction to worry about rather than actually something to worry about sometimes is beneficial to me does that make sense
0: and it forces you to really take like you know take those 2 days in between your last quality workout and your race seriously meaning like oh i better do the little things to make sure i'm recovered and ready to go for race day now the last
1: spartan race i ran was that city field stadium race and that was the classic i booked my flight at what what did i call you thursday 8 p.m. on Thursday, I called you and said, should I book this flight Uh for a Saturday morning race in New York? So that was very last minute, but I called you on the spin bike because I was recovering from doing a quick time trial.
0: On Wednesday, yeah. On Thursday. Oh, on Thursday.
1: On Thursday. Because I wasn't going to allow myself to go out there if I couldn't handle any sort of anaerobic effort. 'Cause I hadn't done anaerobic. So I hopped and did hopped into a the fan bike five K and I pulled the plug at three K or three and a half K because I realized I learned what I needed to learn and now I gotta shut it down because I only have thirty six hours until race day. Yep. Until the race goes off. And you know what? I felt just fine on race day. So I think that we overthink it sometimes, trying to give ourselves too much rest on race week, and we underthink it sometimes and it's just Again, let it go. Choose your day and stick to it and own it. I chose Thursday one time, Thursday night. started my workout at probably like 5.30 or 6.30 p.m. and did a time trial, and I raced Saturday. How'd the race go? I made a podium.
0: I didn't win, but I took
1: second. Mm -hmm. Raced some good guys. Felt good about myself, but I just had to let it go and say, look at what what is is. It's done. I can't change the fact that I just did two miles of really hard, intense effort. But Let it go. Who cares? I was training for a six hour ultra. I can handle two miles of work. Let's just let it go. So choose your race day plan and stick to it. Once you've done the first workout of that week, just let it go and stick with it and trust that I'm going to race fine either way.
0: So just believe in it. I agree. We both, co- you know, confess that uh, Tuesday or Wednesday for your last stimulus um, we didn't touch, you didn't touch on this, but do you, do you agree somewhat? Like maybe half the amount of stimulus on your last quality workout than you would on a typical, is that fair to say roughly Wednesdays, probably half to two thirds Tuesday is two thirds to three quarters is yep. what I do. Yeah. Yep. And then let's just give them a few little nuggets, like principles, like, um, just like a two minute quick conversation about like some of the examples of things you enjoy to do yeah. for your last quality bouts, uh, no matter the race. Um, do you have a few examples? I have a, I have a few. Well,
1: I think this is the question I get most. Other than, do I really have to taper, or can I start tapering earlier? You get one of the two with athletes. They're like, I just need, I need to start recovering, or mm-hmm. I don't want to taper. I'm going to go stir crazy. Other than that, the most asked question I get is, what should this last workout be? And that's one of those like forest for the trees kind of answers where I feel like it, it doesn't matter. Last weekend was the last workout that mattered. Two weeks out, like that's 12 to 20 days out. Those are the workouts that are your biggest bang for your buck. And that's why we scripted those six weeks ago and we nailed those. Now, I could literally not care any less about what you choose to do on race week. And so for athletes that need something chosen, I choose a workout. I either choose something that's short, fast, faster pace running than what you're going to see on race day but with generous enough recoveries that you're not going to be set back. Or sometimes I choose a small dosage of compromised running for people that I think are going to need that almost like that refresher of this is mm-hmm. what it feels like, that confidence boost of I can do this. So I would say the hmm, the three most common workouts I prescribe on race week are two rounds of OCR 400s or three rounds, but I cut a rep out of each round and I'll do that on Tuesday for like people OCR that are 1200s
0: then.
1: yeah for people that need that yep mentally need that uh the one, two, three Fartlick fartlek I really enjoy on race week yep because it's totally subjective to how you run hard but you feel fast and you get equal recovery to work and then probably either 30 30s or 60 60s because it's something just to turn the legs over, but it's not going to set you back at all. You leave feeling fast. We cut the rounds down. It's just not going to... It's it's a stay out of people's way type of thing. So for the general athlete, it's not someone who's peaking for a world
0: championship or a national championship or the Olympics. Those are the three I go to. I like all of those. And I've done all of those on race week, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, for me, I would say... Uh, I think the biggest thing that I try to navigate is wanting to make the race effort out of the gate seem relaxed once Mm -hmm. the gun goes off. And to do that, I typically, uh, need to stick to shorter, faster intervals in order, again, prospectively to make race pace seem relaxed. So I cap um, hard efforts at three minutes or less, typically anything three minutes or less are probably going to be faster or more intense than race pace on like the, the pacing standpoint. Um, and then ample recovery, just like you said, like, Full, half recovery or more on everything, making sure that, um, we're having time to charge up to run a little quicker. So, um, I'll cut again at like 15 minutes of quality work, but everything is three minutes or less. I'm a big fan of two, one intervals, one, two, three fart lick. You could even do some quarter mile repeats. Um, train can vary whether you're going uphill or flat that, you know, we could split hairs there, but I don't think we need to. Um, and it's that simple. That's it. Keep them short. Keep the recovery reasonable, meaning like we don't need to do like a quarter or third recovery. Give yourself half to full recovery on stuff. Um, Whether that's a jog or completely resting doesn't really matter to me. And um, that's it. But my goal is always, I always think like, okay, what's race pace going to be? And let me run a little faster and quicker today so um, I can feel relaxed after the Aroos, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Looking back to college track
1: and cross country – Can you remember what your final workout race week was leading into uh, a race that mattered?
0: Yeah, on track,
1: I I recall. And and again, for the audience, we'd run the 800 and the mile. So the
0: 800 and the 1500. So racing the mile, um, I often remember uh, a gamut of 200s, 400s, or 600s, which prospectively is much shorter and more intense. Uh, then the race coming up and in cross country, uh, we would do, which is a five mile race. We would be doing, uh, thousands, sometimes miles ladders in between something like that. But again, a little shorter, a little faster than race pace, but enough to still feel like work just a bit. That's what we would do. What about you?
1: I primarily 800 and we did a lot of six to eight by 200 with walk back recovery nope. faster than race pace. Not enough work to destroy you for later in the week, but fast, let let you just feel like you were ripping.
0: Yep, exactly. And how much damage are you going to accrue in a 200 meter interval compared to yeah. some longer grindy stuff? Not much. It's going to sting a little, but that's the point. You want to feel the sting. Then as soon as you really do, you back off, rest, start again.
1: And I think it's important to talk about that it's going to not necessarily feel great. Yep. Like the workout itself is not a full workout, but it's still at a fast enough pace. Running fast is not easy generally, and it's not super comfortable. But because you're reducing the level of the workout down volume wise, duration wise, might be lengthening the reps a little or shortening the reps a little bit. You subconsciously or consciously expect the workout to be easy, and it's not. It's easier, but it's not easy because it's not easy to run a workout. But because you know I'm tapering, this is race week, I'm doing a tapered workout, you don't go into it with that dialed in, I'm ready for a big workout mentality, and so you don't have your armor on. It can seem a little laborious. Yeah, then you feel slow. Then you're thinking, wow, this is hurting way more than it should. I feel heavy. My legs don't feel good. This taper's not working. And that's where the inexperienced athlete will turn to a coach or to a training partner and be like, man, tapering doesn't work for me. I've felt so good this whole training block and I feel like crap now. Well it's because you feel like crap. Because every other workout for this training block, you put your armor on beforehand. And you didn't for this one because you didn't expect the opponent to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Still a dangerous opponent. So that's important to remember that you're going to feel like crap on race week, and that doesn't mean your taper's not working. It means you're now saving up all your armor, all your toughness your toughness credits for race day. Like you're you're keeping the tinder dry, the kindling dry, so to speak. You're you're saving it all so that when you spark it up on a race day, it's there. So that is really important to remember. A good taper generally feels pretty bad.
0: Yeah. I think most of those last quality sessions of mine feel uncomfortable. They hurt a little more than I intend. And I'm always mm-hmm. like, oh shoot. But now ten, you're Let's me know like, oh, this is normal. And of course it's going to hurt a little It's faster than race pace. Of course it's going to yeah. be a little laborious, duh. But yeah, that's very normal. I always worry more if I feel real, real good in that last workout before race weekend. I'm always like, oh, what did I miss here? <laughs> Part of me
1: wants to run, just extend the last interval until it hurts to remind myself, yeah. this is
0: going to suck in a few days. <laughs> Get this out of your mind. You won't feel like this. <laughs> so True. So let's move to nutrition, Bracken. Um, You know, my concrete thoughts on nutrition leading into race week is don't change anything um, that, you know, out of your typical routine. Uh, I often feel like, for whatever reason, people really try to cram extra calories in their throat those last few days, and um, I find, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the best for me, sticking to the typical diet, letting the slight deload in training take its effect should lead to a little bit of a glycogen surplus. Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't really need to change much, um, leading into the race, you know, eating too much pasta the night before a race and then showing up in the morning full and with a gut ache, isn't going to do you any good. Um, and we're talking about typically races that are, you know, less than two hours, and so, with that in mind as well, you're going to have plenty of glycogen stored up ready to rock in my opinion, even on your typical diet with a slight scale back in your volume and intensity. Um, so I stick to the script. I try to eat normal. What would I typically eat for dinner? well, let's find something as similar to that as possible and and not uh not change things up too much, which can be tricky when you travel. It's harder to eat the way you typically would when you travel, but for me, I usually look up a restaurant, you know in the area and find something that we'd make at home or close to it. It's what I've been doing as of late. What about you?
1: I can't argue with any of that. It's spot on. I, I don't recommend that athletes up their calories on race week, but I don't recommend that they try to cut either. I agree. I've, I've known many athletes who are like, you know what? I do like a four to six pound weight cut on race week. I get to the start line a little bit lighter and I just don't see a benefit to that unless, I mean, not even unless there is no, unless you're, You can't be possibly doing it right on race week if you lose six pounds that week or four pounds that week. It's just there is no right for that. Keep your eating relatively normal. And like you said, let your deload top off your stores. Yep. The only caveat to that is if you're doing a, I would say, 12-hour or longer event, maybe try to eat a little bit more. If you're doing a 24-hour event, yeah, try to eat a little bit more. But that's about it. Other than that, I don't change anything with how I eat on race week. My only differences are I take an an extra electrolyte tab on the day before a race to counter any extra drinking I'm doing because I'm nervous drinking. Oh, sure. Traveling with a water bottle in my hand drinking a little bit more or just thinking, "Oh, I'm going to need more water." I don't try to overhydrate. Because I don't want to d- dilute the the levels of electrolytes in my body. I don't want to throw my balance off. But I take an extra electrolyte tab in case I do that. Because I know our tendency is always to drink more than normal when you go to a race. Yep. That's the only difference I do. I, like I said before, let it go. You've You've run great workouts off of every style of food. So stick with the one that you know works well for your stomach. And just like you, if my process is... I decide for a race, I run to the bathroom, then I check weather, then I book flights, then I book a hotel and I search around the hotel, between the airport and the hotel, or wherever I'm staying, for exactly where I'm going to eat so that it's already decided. I land, I do what I got to do, and then I go to sleep.
0: So it's not a stressor?
1: No stressor. No thinking. No wasted energy. No futzing around wasting time. You just I take care of it.
0: Okay, there are probably another dozen things we could cover here with this, but I want to cover one for sure. Um, and that is strategy, like preparing yourself for the race itself mentally, what homework you do, how you are prepared to suffer, so to speak. Um, you know, I think that's very important doing like your course recon, uh, I know that sometimes when you start dissecting the map and thinking about n- intricacies of the race, it's easy to get a little nervous and a little anxious cuz it makes it real, right? It's like, "Oh, this is this is getting real," but it's super 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 important. So I just like I want to get your perspective on, "Okay, I have to I'm going to come up with a strategy for this race, whatever it is. Like how do you go about making those decisions?" I look at two things. I look at elevation profile for sure, and then I look at if it's an OCR race obstacle placement. And this may sound silly, but in high school, uh, we used to put like our team manager or somebody who was injured out on course at 600 meters out from the finish line. And our code word was Hansen. And I don't know why it was Hansen, but it was Hansen. And so we'd have somebody at 600 meters out yelling, Hansen. And that let us know, like, it's 600 meters, it's two minutes of suffering or less. If you have anything left in your tank, like, use it. And that was our code word, so our competitors didn't know what we were talking about. Sometimes we'd put them at 800 meters out. This was in cross country. And it proved very, very helpful. So every race, I look at my at the, uh, the map, and I say, where's my Hanson? And I pick an obstacle, and I say, that's my Hansen every single time. And I say, all right. It's a super, where's a mile out? That's my Hanson. It's the tire flip. Okay. Like I know no matter what, like if I feel like I have any room to wiggle here and choices still to be made, my last choice is made at Hanson. So I, uh, I look at the map. I pick my Hanson every single time, knowing at least like if I'm battling where I can burn my last match. So I look at elevation profile, obstacle layout, and I find my Hanson. That's what I do. I like that. Mm -hmm. Hanson. Hanson. I think it was Hanson was a band and they had the song Mbop. And I was a freshman in high school and there was some inside joke. And I think that's how he landed on it. if If I'm being serious. But anyways, that's my thought process. And so I look, I strategically plan when to attack. Oh, I can let him drift a little bit here because I know I'm going to catch up on the bucket carry there. Yada, yada. You get the deal. But that's how I dissect it.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't change for non-OCR, for road races, for trail races, for cross country. Obstacles are replaced with hills and turns. Those are your obstacles. Those are the pieces that shake up your stride and your rhythm. And you identify where do I need to be cognizant of the hills or the turns or the terrain. So yeah, I mark my energy point and I mark my strategy point on the map. Where do I get to start running out of energy? Exactly. Where do I need to make it to X point on the map before I start to bleed out? Like I want a choice in my back pocket at this point. And then this is my spot strategy wise. If I have a place to make a move, this and this are probably my areas that I need to do it. And here and here are where I'm going to have to be really careful to not lose time. Sometimes that's an uphill, sometimes it's a downhill, sometimes it's terrain, sometimes it's obstacles. But picking a point where, all right, now I get to work or now I go.
0: Yeah, similar basically what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. And then the other thing when you're talking uh, off-road racing, little things like noting a switchback or something in which you realize – you're going through dense vegetation where you could lose your competition uh, line of sight or, you know, make sure they lose you knowing like, oh, this is where I need to surge. If I get out of sight, I get out of mind or vice versa or don't lose contact because I know I could hear. So little things like that, like the it's a it's sort of a song and dance, especially when it comes to OCR, like a rhythm and flowing of changing of pacing and gears more than any other race uh, I've ever done. And and choosing, like, there should be surging, purposeful surging, purposeful laying off of the throttle at all times in a, in a race based on what's going on. Strategically, if you're out there truly racing other competitors, I feel like there's more ebb and flow based on what's going on than any other race. And so I'm looking for those little nuances in the course as well.
1: So I don't believe perceived exertion is to be trusted until about 10 minutes into a race. Mm-hmm. It could be five, somewhere between five and 10 minutes in, you can start trusting perceived exertion, how a race hurts and feels. But prior to that point, you have too many things, too many chemicals pumping through your body and you've got a whole crowd of people around you and the whole atmosphere of a race makes it really impossible to trust how you feel. And so I generally hit my first point on the map is point where I can start running by effort. And then I have my, I need to have decisions left at this point. So those are the first two and then my, you know, strategy pieces are amongst them. But up until that point, I run by stride because I feel that I can trust my stride feeling rather than my body feeling. And that is, you've run so many quality sessions throughout this. You know the stride it takes to run the different paces or the different durations. What you won't be able to trust is how that stride feels effort-wise, and so for the first 5, 8, 10 minutes of a race, depending on the type of a race, I try to run the stride I know is right. And then after about 5 minutes, 8 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever the race duration I choose is, then I can start worrying about accelerating or decelerating based upon how my body feels. But I do not trust it. Generally, it's a half mile, a mile, somewhere in there on trails, but figure out where you can start trusting your body. And run by your stride up into that point. And that helps you stay within yourself, focusing on keeping my arms nice and compact. Don't let myself flail. Don't be over striding. Don't be prancing on my toes more than I normally do. Cause you feel so good at the start of a race, click right into your usual stride and just ride out your emotions until you're ready to start doing this correctly.
0: Yeah. I like that. I feel like 10 minutes into a race, you almost always know what you're going to be getting that day Yeah, for better or worse you know by 10 minutes in like this is going to be a good day or like all right this one I'm going to have to work through a little bit like I I can't think of a race where 10 minutes in deceived me in many races unless it's like a really long mountain race or something like that we're talking these two races this weekend flatter less you know undulation or terrain change you're probably going to know pretty quick 10 minutes yeah and these are races that are not going to be decided
1: by technicality This isn't like you're going to get out of sight and there's, you're going to be picking your ways through a boulder field and, and those races get out a little hotter, have contact and stick with people through places where you could just lose sight. And these, that's not it. Look at it like a time trial, unless you're there to win the race, look at it like a time trial. How do I run my best overall time on this course? And that's how you run it because getting, getting to that 10 minute mark and realizing, Oh shoot my matches are gone it is the worst feeling in a race.
0: And so you ensure that you don't do that. I agree. Um, I think the last little thing that I just wanted to touch on, this is just like a personal, like bias that I have. And that is, do you remember you would know this better than I think you were. Maybe it's you who referred to this. Maybe I'm dreaming here, but, um, one of the tour de France teams, um, were looking at ways to improve their team's performance and, I believe one of the things that I don't remember which team it was or when this was, but I know this had happened, and and they looked at how can we improve like the the intangibles, so to speak. Not the training, like that is said and done. The gear, the bikes, all that is already there, right? That we're we're doing the best we can. What are the other fringe things we can change as far as the team's performance? And what they ended up landing on was well, let's make sure they have a comfortable place to sleep that feels like home with like their pillow. Their type of mattress and bedding, and let's make sure they have the, the, f- the foods that each athlete typically would ideally eat at home. And, and let's do these fringe things that can make them perform better outside of all like the flashy things that we all think of. Like, what about just like, like humanizing them, right? And, and giving them what they need to be happy and feel comforted. And I really like, God, do you remember this story? Was this you or whoever? I think it was an
1: outside athlete that we interviewed. They talked about they brought their mattresses to every hotel with them.
0: They brought their mattresses and their pillows and somebody transported everything and it was customized food instead of like, here's the pile of pasta at the team dinner. It was like, what's your preference? They had a chef, right? And a lot of teams do that. But anyways, I've really bought into that and I've been thinking, you know, I think along those lines a lot, like no wonder if you have a backyard race, you typically race better than when you have to travel across the country and sleep on a stiff pillow and a shitty mattress and eat hotel food or whatever it is. And so, like, I always bring a small piece of home with me. For me, that's like, if I have my pillow, I'm set. Like, those hotel pillows suck. Sometimes they're bricks. They're puffy and weird and whatever. But, like, just thinking, like, bringing a little piece of home with you to make sure that you feel like, oh, like, things aren't that different. For me, I'd rather skip packing a bunch of stuff. I cram my pillow into my bag every time, which takes up a lot of room. But for me, like, it's worth it. And so I always just think, like, bring a comfort of home with you. It's not that much different. And I think prioritizing, like, trying to get comfortable when you sleep. And so the first thing I think of is is that. So for me, I don't know why, but that's top of mind. I've noticed a big difference in something little like that. Whatever your version of that might be, you know, bring your blankie with you, Bracken, or whatever it might be, your whoopee, as they call it. A pillow is always great. If I'm checking a bag... I threw a fan in there. Sure. White noise,
1: exactly. A box fan if I have room because it's the thing you can't control in a hotel. other people's noise. And so I put a box fan right next to my bed, and that
0: makes all the difference in the world. Yep. You get it. So maybe you have some of those things, people. But uh, point being is whatever that study was done on these Tour de France um, athletes, um, it worked. They outperformed – I believe like what their metrics look like on paper and the biggest, granted that's a 30 day stage race where like those things really matter versus a one-off evening. But, um, just think about how you can bring a little bit of home with you. I think that goes a long ways.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. what else you got?
1: My closing point here is that, and I've talked about this before, but generally if you're listening to a podcast like this, it's because you've taken your running seriously. And if you're coming off an off-season and you weren't injured, you are arriving with new fitness to a race, and the tendency is to expect that racing will become easier. And I just want to be the cold water bucket over your head to tell you that no, it will not be easier if anything, it will be harder. Best case scenario for you is it feels exactly the same, but you're faster. So all the old hurt is still going to be there, but there's also a good chance you unlock a new level of hurt because you can continue to hurt farther into the race. While still performing. So get it out of your heads that it's going to be easy. The good race feeling comes from afterwards. The more you train, the more miserable the races become in a different way. So just accept the fact that better, higher fitness, more speed will not equal easier races. They're going to feel the same or worse. You're just going to be able to be better at them. That way you don't get punched in the face two miles in where you're thinking, I put in all this work. Why isn't this easy? Because you're running harder. You're competing more. Get ready for it to be uncomfortable. And then expected pain is always better than unexpected pain.
0: I'm really glad you said that. You're just getting a better return on your investment for the pain that you are feeling. It's that simple. You are so right that some people are going to go in feeling really confident in their fitness. And they're going to be shook when it starts to hurt, just like racing always Mm -hmm. does. And uh, it's a good way to demoralize you if you're not ready for it. So it's a good, good send-off, I think. That doesn't change. We get caught up in visualizing races, how glorious it's going to be
1: when we have new fitness. And we forget that it's still going to suck. It's still <laughs> going to get to the point where you don't want to be out there. Yeah. We talk. All our PRs are set in races where we were miserable. Almost all my PRs and my big breakthrough races happened at a race where I had to convince myself not to quit. Not to back off or drop out. That's just the that's the name of the game. So anticipate it. Know that that blow is coming, and just keep your armor up.
0: Yep. Well, that's a good send off, Bracken. Good luck to everybody opening up their season this weekend. I am uh, I'm on the edge of my seat seeing uh, if or how Spartan race relays the age group series opening. Yes. Um, I'm I'm very uh, anxious to see how good or bad of a job they do with that recognition so I'm looking forward to seeing that and if you're in Jacksonville I mean I haven't booked my flight yet but let's count on it uh, come up and say hi well Kirk congratulations I'm excited for you
1: getting out there and good luck I'm really excited to look at your results try to track it live the best I can and to all our listeners out there all the athletes we work with Any of you who are opening up now or soon, let us know afterwards. We we don't ask for much on this podcast, an occasional review, but we like to hear when the things that we're working towards together, like running, pay off for you. Let us know. Show us your results, tell us how it went. Give us a we talked about how to break down a race. VJ Jones talked about how he breaks down a race. Send us some of your race recaps. Those are the things we enjoy. Good luck out there, people. We'll